accessing the blessings. And uh, as New Testament folk, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't have to obey any law. We don't have to perform in any particular way in order to access the blessing of God. If you've been around in Pentecostal circles for very long, uh, you'll know that we often refer to Levitia, uh, sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 28 as the, the chapter that contains all the blessings and the curses. And uh, there's a similar set of blessings and curses listed in Leviticus chapter 26. Now I'm not going to go through all those scriptures. If you want for homework, you can, you can read through those scriptures. But essentially what God said to the nation of Israel is this. I've given you all these commands if if you obey them then I will bless you if you don't I'll wait pretty simple really hey and of course Israel said yeah yeah no worries no worries but they never could I'll come back to that point shortly but let's have a look at the, the areas of blessing. So God said, you know, he'd taken Israel as his own. He wanted them to become his chosen people. He wanted the world to look at Israel and see how great is our God. And in fact, he wanted the world to join Israel. And in a way, in a way, God wanted to show off through Israel. Say, look, look at my people. My people are blessed. So he said to Israel, I've given you all these commands. And they were a great bunch of commands, let me tell you. Because they led to divine good health among those who belonged to the nation of Israel. They, they led to a divine wealth. You know, there are all these laws there to ensure not one person in all of Israel would be poor. In fact, at the conclusion of the giving of the law, that's exactly what God said. There should be none poor in Israel. Poor in any dimension of life. So in a sense, God wanted to show off. He wanted to show his goodness through Israel. And these are the areas of blessing, blessing for family. You know, he said, none of the women in Israel will be barren. Anyone who wants to have a child will be able to have a child. There'd be blessing in family. There'd be blessing for work. Wow, you know, God, actually, one of the promises is, uh, there in, in, in verse 12 of Deuteronomy chapter 28 basically says this I'm going to open my treasures the heavens and I'm going to pour down the rain and I'm going to bless the work of your hands they were primarily an agricultural society so they were growing crops and they were things like um, grain crops and, 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 and grapes you need rain God was going to open up his treasures the heavens are regarded as God's treasure. That's his treasury up there 
from his treasury came the rain, watered the land and the crops grew. And so they were able to make their wine and their olive oil <laughs> and their bread. Blessings for peace and security. There was a blessing over the nation as a whole. Their enemies would be dealt with. How hard it is to receive blessing in family or blessing in the work of your hands if there isn't national peace and security. In fact, as far as we know, the only society that truly lived under those conditions was Israel during the time of Solomon. When everyone lived in the shadow of their olive tree and of the vine. And that's a, an expression of peace and prosperity. It's a, it's a motive that occurs numerous times in the Old Testament. But here's another one. And, and this one you'll find explicitly in Leviticus uh, chapter 26. Blessing for surplus prosperity. Why surplus? Well, see, didn't God promise that Israel would lend to other nations? They would be so blessed that they would have surplus prosperity. So prosperous that they could actually help out the nations around them that were not doing so well. Surplus prosperity. What a blessing. What a blessing. Now it was a blessing for the, the nation of Israel. It was conditional upon obedience to the law. But not only, you see, if it applies to the nation, it has to apply to individuals as well. Right? If these blessings are blessings for a whole nation, they have to apply to individuals as well. Because the blessings are conditional upon obeying the law. Who obeys the law? Individuals. And if obeying the law becomes your culture, then the nation is obeying the law. But you see, the funny thing is that God really knew that Israel wasn't going to be able to keep the law. And, and, and the Apostle Paul goes to great length to explain that the purpose of the law was to reveal sin. The primary purpose of the law was to make us aware that without God, we fall into sin. And actually, as I look around the world today, I see evidence of that. A world that largely has turned its back on God. And we're seeing the sinfulness of humanity rise to the surface. And we're seeing that in legislatures and we're actually now seeing it in the business world where businesses are even prepared to give up profit in order to adhere to this a, a new set of cultural norms. 
the purpose of the law was actually to reveal the sin in our own hearts. So what does Jesus say? This is what Jesus says, and he says a lot of other things as well. But he says this, and I'm using the Passion Translation, which I think really gets at the essence of what he was trying to say. If you think I have come to set aside the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets, you're mistaken. I have come to fulfill and bring to perfection all that has been written. I assure, indeed, I assure you, as long as heaven and earth endure, and that will be until he comes again, not even the smallest detail of the law will be done away with until its purpose is complete. The law still, have a, still has a purpose to reveal sin. We don't live by the law. How do I know? Because Jesus fulfilled it. Now, this is the funny kind of life we live. We know on the one hand that Jesus has absolutely fulfilled the law. It says, bring to perfection. In a sense, completed. In fact, some translations say that. But yet at the same time, the law still exists because its purpose is not fully accomplished. It won't be until Jesus comes to rule and reign. So until human history is finished, we still have the law, but you and I as Christians are not under the law. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're slaves to righteousness, and we are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. This is a very, very powerful scripture. Jesus Christ himself declared, I have come to fulfill and bring to perfection all that has been written. You see, in him is the fulfillment of the law. He lived under the law. The new covenant really didn't start until he shed his blood on the cross. He lived under law. He lived perfectly under the law. So he's fulfilled the law. And you see, as far as God is concerned, Jesus substituted for us. So when God looks at us, he's looking at us through Jesus. No matter how you feel today, you might have slipped up last night, this morning, last week, God doesn't actually see that because he sees you through Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Why? Because he, he did what he came to do. I came or I have come to fulfill and bring to perfection all that is written. That includes all the law and everything the prophets said. So we're not under the law. What does this mean then? Well, it means there must be another way in which we access 
the blessings. If not by law, then how? Well, by grace, God has provided the blessings through the new covenant. So how do we access the blessings? Through faith. It's no longer law, but faith. Let's have a look at what the Apostle Paul says. This is from Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Again, I'm using the Passion Translation. Probably not a bad idea to read the whole of the chapter to get a really good appreciation of what, what he's saying. Paul, Paul was actually an academic. He was a highly trained uh, Jew. He had his own tutor. And uh, actually, if you go and have a look at the King James Version of the Bible or the New King James or one of those word-for-word translations, it's really hard to read what Paul wrote because he, he writes really long sentences. Uh, sentences with 150 words in them. You know, most of us can really only cope with around 50 words in a sentence. He writes sentences with two or three times that many words in them. It's pretty hard going because he was an academic. A bit like me, well, maybe not a bit like me, really. I'm not as good as him. <laughs> I haven't been whipped and stoned and bitten by snakes. No, <laughs> no, it's not, not yet, anyway. <laughs> but this is what Paul said. And, and, and remember, he starts off that letter, you know, right into the Galatians. He says, Who has bewitched you? What has got into you that has made you think that you access the blessings of God by works? Who has bewitched you? But then he goes on and he says this, Let me ask you again, what does the lavish supply of the Holy Spirit in your life and the miracles of God's tremendous power have to do with you keeping religious laws? The Holy Spirit is poured out upon us through the revelation of power and power of faith, not by keeping the law. So what actually is faith? It's a response. Our faith is a response to what God has already provided for us by His grace. He's already provided blessing in family, blessing in work, blessing by way of peace and security, and blessing by way of surplus prosperity. He's already done it. If that's not true, then Christ's death upon the cross was in vain. And that just makes God a cruel father. There are so many aspects of this I could talk about. You know, Jesus was our atonement. Right in the Old Testament, the atonement, atonement for sin was only good for a year. Just like a pet, you know, when you get your house sprayed for pests, it's only good for a year. 
you got to have him come back every year and spray it in. But see, when Jesus died, he atoned for us and for all once and forever. You see? So our sin doesn't count against us. It's as if we have kept the law. Why? Because Jesus did. He did it on our behalf. He's our Redeemer. What does it mean to be redeemed? Literally, it means to be bought back. In what sense are we bought back? We're bought back to the same state that Adam and Eve were in originally. Having dominion. The capacity to multiply, to fill the earth. Having responsibility for tending and keeping the garden. That's taking all the resources that God has placed in the earth and using them to create goods and services that will contribute positively to human flourishing. Two weeks ago, the last slide I had up said, what has Jesus done? He's redeemed us all the way back to the Garden of Eden. In a spiritual sense. Not, not physically, because there's always been a developmental um, context of human history, which God designed in the first place. You see, our faith, it's a response to all that God has done for us through Jesus. It doesn't mean we should just sit around and expect all the blessing to fall off the ceiling. That doesn't work like that. God's provision of manna and quails to Israel, that was just for a season. But we access all those blessings through faith, and our faith is our response to the grace of God by which we have already been blessed. Isn't that a pretty amazing thing? It gives us no cause for arrogance. It gives us no cause to believe that we're better than people who are not Christians. The only difference is somehow God got through our thick skulls, <laughs> his truth and our hard hearts. He got his truth through. You know, we, we talk a little bit about privilege these days, don't we? We have a privilege, the privilege we have, is knowing God's truth. Perhaps not perfectly because we're all being transformed. We're all on our way. But one thing we can know beyond the shadow of a doubt is that all those blessings are ours because Jesus came and he fulfilled the law to the last jot and tittle the last, you know, the, the last little tiny part of any letter written in the law, he fulfilled it. And he fulfilled the prophets as well. Because he did, when God sees us, he sees people who have fulfilled the law and the prophets. So all those blessings that are set out in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26, they're ours. They're part of our inheritance as brothers and sisters of 
Jesus Christ. See, God, God, God hasn't waited to let us have our inheritance until he dies because he doesn't die. Jesus died instead. You get your inheritance after your relative dies. Yeah, that, that's how it normally works. Well, it works too. We get our inheritance now because Jesus died. He died so our inheritance could be made available now and we don't have to wait until we die to access our inheritance. Blessings in family. Blessings in our work. Security, peace, and surplus prosperity. This last, last week, I've been engaged in a, a wonderful, wonderful conference that I was a bit, well, I didn't really know what to expect to start with. And um, it's called the ISOM conference. ISOM stands for the International School of Ministry. They say they're the largest video uh, Bible college in the world. I've got no idea whether that's true and I've got no reason to doubt it. Um, but I've had some speakers, some, some of us know some of the speakers. Um, Pastor Suzette Tordy was one of the speakers. She spoke here a little, a little time before Christmas. Uh, Dave Hodgson, some of us know Dave Hodgson. He was one of the speakers. Uh, John Bevere was another one of the speakers. And uh, when you get your newsletter, hopefully that'll happen this afternoon. I've, I've actually put a link to a YouTube video. He, he spoke about multiplication as the basis of the kingdom of God. It, it was very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. Because you go all the way back into Genesis 1, of course, and what part of the blessing that God pronounced upon the whole of humanity was multiplication. And it wasn't just multiplying in the sense of building up the population multiplying in every area in which we have dominion. And then he used the parable of the talents. Remember, there was a five-talent joker, a two-talent joker, and a one-talent joker. The five and the twos managed to double their talents. The guy who got just one talent went and buried his. Who was the master pleased with? The two people who managed to double their talents. Multiplication. It's interesting that the, um, the one talent guy, he actually said, I knew you were a hard master, right? He didn't know his master, did he? He didn't know his master. And some of us can be like that with God. We have the wrong understanding of who God is and that that can impair us receiving the blessings. If we've got the wrong idea of who God is, if we don't think God is a God of grace, if we don't think the purpose for sacrificing his son so that we might access relationship and blessing because of what he did, we've got the wrong idea of who God is altogether. Now, let's let me take one minute to add one qualification. You and I don't always experience the blessing. Now, we should. That should be our everyday experience. We're living under the new covenant. We're committing ourselves to Jesus Christ. 
We receive all that he has for us by grace. We exercise faith. But sometimes we miss a blessing. That is when we need a miracle. Right? The miracle is available for us when we've missed the blessing. So, for example, it may be an area of health. We're not blessed in that area for whatever reason. And there are lots of reasons. There could be sin in our lives. We could simply be ignorant of the promises of God. Or we could be coming under the oppression of the devil. Those things. And when I look at people, unless God gives me a particular a discernment, I don't know. And, and, and I've got one or two areas of health in my, my own life. I'm looking for a miracle because I'm not getting the blessing. The miracle's there. But see, the miracle isn't something that happens every day. Uh, I did read somewhere once that miracles happen about once every seven years in the Old Testament. Probably a bit more frequent when Jesus was around, but the miracle is in our everyday experience. The blessing is our everyday experience. But if we're missing the blessing, the miracle is available. If you have cancer, there is a miracle. If you're suffering from financial lack, there is a miracle. If you're suffering from broken uh, relationships, there is a miracle. There is a miracle. But our everyday experience should be walking in the blessings. Walking in the blessings. Blessings in family. Blessings in our work. The blessings of peace and security. And the blessings of surplus prosperity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you what, if you're missing out, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. So feel free um, to pop down shortly. I'll stand with you in prayer. And look, you know I'm not perfect. I, I, I don't, I'm not experiencing the fullness of blessing daily in my life in particular in the area of health. I'm not going to die tomorrow, by the way, so don't worry. Right? You don't have to get worried. So, so I'm looking for a miracle there. I, I, I'm taking medication. I pray over that medication. I thank God for that drug. Well, whatever you suppose it's a drug. Legal drug. I thank God that, that people have been able to discover that this pill here can make a difference and I pray for its effectiveness but then I go beyond that and say Lord I believe in healing I'm looking for a miracle I'm believing for a miracle I'm trusting you for a miracle because your word says by his stripes we were healed your word says rejoice and forget not all his benefits he who heals you And I'll never give up. I'll never give up until I walk in the fullness of the blessing because of the grace of God. We access the blessing by faith. And faith 
is our response to what God has already provided by grace. God bless you. God bless you. If I had a big worship band, I'd call them up and we'd play the fast song again, but... Well, we haven't got enough people and we've run out of iPads, but praise the Lord anyway. He's with us. He loves us. He blesses us and he wants to see us transformed daily. Let's go and enjoy some community time. I'm using the hippopotamuses today, not because it reflects who we are, but they're having a good time. Just in case you're wondering. I use them today because they're having a good time. And we actually haven't got we haven't got a wallow down there. <laughs> but there's some cold drinks and some snack food, so let's enjoy one another's company. And if anyone would like prayer, more than happy to um, take some time and pray with you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.